Well, good morning, everyone. I have a couple friends up here today that are going to help me uh, preach this sermon. We, what we have before you is we have two mannequins. Thank you, Carsons, for going out of business and letting us have these. Basically, we have one that represents light inside of all of us. Inside of all of us, there's light. When we know Christ, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. We have the ability to love deeply. We have the ability to be kind. We have the ability to make wise choices that lead to a bright future. We have the ability just to be led by the Spirit of God, to know Him and to lead others towards him. But also inside of us, we have another side, a dark side, a sinful nature, the Bible calls it. We have the ability to hurt people. We have the ability to be mean. We have the ability to be angry. We have the ability to make poor choices that lead to some devastating consequences. So inside of us, we have two natures. And I, I'll never forget the first time I really realized that I had two natures inside of me. I remember I was a kid around 10 or 11 years old, maybe 12. But my parents, they used to tell me, Chris, you can go on bike rides with your friends, but you have to stay within a square mile. So we lived in between 16 and 17 mile and in between Ryan and DeQuinder. And they said, you can ride your bike with your friends anywhere in that square mile. That's your Garden of Eden. You stay in there. That's where you can go. We don't want you crossing any of the major roads. That's the forbidden fruit. Don't go past 16 miles, 17 mile, Ryan or DeQuinder. We do not want you to do that. And the reason we don't want you to do that is because there's nothing good over there for you. There's main roads, there's busy streets, there's no reason you ever need to cross. You're too young right now, someday you'll be able to. So I said, okay. I remember one summer I was really sticking to that rule, and I was going on some bike rides with friends, and then one day, my group of friends, we went to Burger King, which was right there on 16 and DeQuinder. I don't know if you remember this, but there was a Burger King there, I'm not sure if it's still there. And we were there, and we were showing each other our baseball cards, because we were all really into baseball cards. We were having a shake, and someone said, why don't we cross 16 Mile Road and go to Meyer and get some baseball cards? And I remember my heart started beating a little bit fast in that moment. First of all, we didn't have any money. We said, we don't have any money to buy baseball cards. And they said, we'll steal them. Oh boy, we'll steal. My heart started beating really fast at that point. It was the first time I realized that I knew what I should do, right? I knew I should make the right choice. I knew I should listen to what my parents, their voice in my head saying, don't cross 16 miles. Don't go to Meyer. Don't do that. It's, there's nothing good that can come. And I knew I shouldn't go. But there was something inside of me that was curious. Something inside of me that wanted to see 
What was the big deal about crossing 16 Mile anyway? I could do it. I was old enough. I was smart enough. Maybe they're trying to keep something from me. That would be real fun if I did it. And so we crossed 16 Mile Road. And I remember we crossed over the street on our bikes, cars, we waited at the sign. You know, we're looking both ways. My heart's beating. We park our bikes right in front of Meyer, right in the little bike rack they had there, and we go into the store. And the whole time I'm thinking, what if someone sees me? What if my mom's here? She used to shop there like twice a week when we were younger. What if she's in here? We make our way to the baseball card aisle. And I see one of my friends go right up to a pack of baseball cards, pull them off the shelf, and stuff them in his shirt. And it was in that moment I couldn't take it anymore. My heart was beating. It was racing. I knew this was wrong. And so I said, hey, I'll meet you back at the Burger King. And me and another friend, we got on our bikes We crossed the street and we went back to Burger King to wait for our friends, two other friends. 10 minutes went by, 20 minutes went by, they never came. So I said, well, got to go home. I'll be late for dinner. So I get on my bike, I go home, I'm eating dinner that night, the phone rings. The phone rings, it was one of my friends, it was my friend's mom. He got caught shoplifting at Meyer, and his parents had to come pick him up and they were very upset and they were calling to let my parents know that I was there. I was there. No denying it. At first I tried to deny it. Oh no, I would never, I would never do that. I wasn't there. And I started thinking they probably got cameras in Meyer. My dad was a cop. He's probably going to go ask Meyer for their cameras. And he's probably going to find out that I was there. I might as well just come clean. And I did. Yes, I was there. I was there. And I had, there was definitely some consequences for those choices. That was the first time I realized that there's two natures. There's one that wants to do right, but there's one that's trying to pull us away. And sometimes we even look like this on the outside, but inside, this is what we look like. In fact, Jesus said it this way when he was talking to the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, and he tended to give them a hard time from time to time. And he said this, He said, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. Wow, that's harsh. You know what's interesting is Jesus never talked like that to sinners. He never talked like that to people who weren't followers of God. He only called out the religious people for this. You see, he wasn't calling them out because of their sin. He was calling them out because they were supposed to be this. 
They were supposed to be the ones leading the way in kindness and compassion and love and mercy. And they acted like this, but inside they were judgmental. They were angry. They were hateful. They were bitter. They had no mercy on anyone. So he called them out. And it wasn't the sin that he was calling out. Because remember, the woman who was caught in the act of adultery, she should have been stoned to death, and they brought her and put her at the feet of Jesus. And all of these people gathered around this woman, and they said, Jesus, according to the word of God, according to the law, we're supposed to stone her to death right now. That's what the word says. Stone her to death. What do you say? What does Jesus do in that moment? He looked at her and he said, I don't condemn you. He looked at the crowd and he said, he who is without sin cast the first stone. Everyone left one by one. Jesus reached down and picked this woman up. He says, I don't condemn you but go and sin no more. See, Jesus offered a level of grace and compassion in this moment that was transformational in the life of this woman. See, people can go dark, especially Christians sometimes. We can get super judgmental sometimes. Those people who brought this woman to Jesus had rocks in their hand in one hand and the word of God in the other. And they were ready to murder her. Jesus says, hey, wait, everybody, calm down. Let's err on the side of kindness, compassion, grace, and mercy. Because that's what Jesus was all about. He was the epitome of compassion. He really was. And sometimes, Christians, we can be the worst when it comes to certain issues. I mean, the world's rocky right now. When it comes to political issues, moral issues, we tend to come here first. Angry. Full of bitterness and animosity. But I always ask myself, where would Jesus err? What side would he err on? I believe he'd err on the side of love because he was the epitome of compassion. You see, Jesus was upset at the Pharisees because they were the ones who were supposed to lead the way in compassion. They were the ones who were supposed to lead sinners to God. They were supposed to be a light in a dark world. They were the ones who were supposed to provide guidance from the Holy Spirit. They were the ones who were supposed to be gentle and humble and patient with people. They were the ones who were supposed to be giving people a crystal clear picture of who God was. But this is the picture of God they were given to people. And this is not who God is. He's this. Jesus was so compassionate for people. In fact, in Matthew 9, 36, 
the Bible says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. This was his problem with the Pharisees is he saw the amount of people who were longing for someone to show them the correct picture of God. They were longing for someone to teach them the word and help them walk through a painful life. They were longing for compassion and grace and peace in their lives. And the Pharisees, if they really knew God, could give it to them, but they didn't. They gave them this, judgment. That's not what Jesus was about. And don't look now, but sometimes that's happening right here in the church. Right now in the church. We're supposed to be giving people this picture of God. And sometimes, instead, we're giving them that one. And we justify it because of the truth. But I gotta give them the truth. I gotta give them the truth. Well, the truth is very important. But the approach to the truth is way more important. Jesus led with compassion and kindness, and it led people to repentance. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. It's not everyone pointing out our faults, our failures. The words parts of us. See, those Pharisees who brought that woman to Jesus, they were standing on truth, but their approach was terrible. Jesus shows us how to have compassion for people who don't believe the things we believe, agree with the things we agree with, live the way we live. Those are the people that Jesus had the most compassion for. Those are the people he showed this picture of God to. What are we doing? What picture of God are we showing people who don't believe the same things we believe, agree with us on the core issues, are not living moral lives? What picture of God are we showing them? Because if we keep showing them this, they will never come to Christ. What's the point? God hates them. He's full of anger towards them. So why would I ever come to him? We've got to show people the right picture of Christ. Well, this is a series on the book of Colossians. Some of you are wondering when I was going to get to Colossians 3, but I'm going to right now. I had to set this up because Paul goes on to back this up in Colossians 3, verse 1. Paul addresses the church and he says this, He says, since then you have been raised with Christ. What does that mean? Since you've been raised with Christ. What Paul is referring to here is the waters of baptism. 
When you get baptized, remember the way to salvation is repent, be baptized. When you get baptized, what are you doing? You're dying to your old self. You're identifying with the death and burial of Jesus Christ. And you're raising up a new creation. New. You're raised with Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit, transformed by God himself, with the Spirit of God living in you, helping you live a godly life. That's what Paul's saying here. You're raised with Christ. So since you're raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Paul's saying here that your life should be a reflection of God now. That our lives should mimic Jesus' life. Now, he was perfect and sinless, and we can't do that, but when he, we put our faith in him, he made us righteous. He made us light. He separated us from the darkness because of himself. And now we can walk in that light. We can show people who God is because we've been raised with Christ. Let's go on. Verse 5. It says this, But put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there's no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. There's no more favoritism. No favorite race, no favorite person, no favorite gender. Paul is saying, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And I think we have a misinterpretation sometimes of what this means. Sometimes when we think about setting our minds on things above, not on earthly things, we start to think, I just can't wait till I leave this place and get to heaven. This place is full of pain and I just want to leave here and get to heaven. But that's not really what the scripture's saying right here. When you set your heart and your mind on things above, you're setting your mind and your heart on the kingdom of heaven. Remember what Jesus said when he was on earth. He said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus came to this earth to show us a picture of the Father. He came to this earth to show us what heaven could look like on earth. And what did he do to show us? He lived a sinless life. There's no sin. There's no pain in heaven. There's no ability to make poor choices in heaven. It's perfect. Let's go on to, and see what the rest of this passage of Scripture says. In verse 12, it says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, 
Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. What binds a nation together in perfect unity? Love. Love does. Put on love. You see, we're supposed to clothe ourselves with kindness. When Jesus came to this earth, not only did he perform miracles and supernatural things, supernatural signs and wonders, not only did he show us that that's the picture of heaven, that you have power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It wasn't just that. He showed us that in heaven, heaven is full of love, kindness, no racism, no animosity, no bitterness. It's full of compassion and humility. And he modeled that to the world. He gave us a picture of God that is that. And now Paul is saying, you've been raised with Christ. Now it's time to set your minds on the things above. Set your minds on heaven. And in heaven, show kindness and compassion and love. See, we're not called to just escape this place. We're called to make this earth better as Christians. We can bring the kingdom of heaven here to this place when we model the picture of what God looks like. I want to pick a few things out that Paul mentions in the scripture. He mentions love. He mentions kindness. He mentions compassion. When we model these things, we are led by the Spirit of God and through the power of the Holy Spirit, we model these things, we bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. We bring a power that can transform hearts and lives. We bring something to this earth that people are starving for and desperately in need of. But Paul said something that we're supposed to rid ourselves. And three of the things he said to rid ourselves were these. Anger. Rage. And malice. So when we are Christians who have been raised with Christ, living by the Spirit, but we're modeling this to the world, it's a detriment. We can't give people a clear picture of who God is when we are like this. That's why Paul is saying, listen, I know it's tough to live in this world and you're not going to be perfect. You're going to mess up in this area. But because of Christ and because of the Holy Spirit, you can actually live this way. 
You can choose to walk in the spirit and live this way. You can show this picture of God to a world who desperately needs it because the world has seen this and they're sick of it. And you know what? They're looking now outside of church to find that because we've dropped the ball on it. We've showed them this. And so now it's created an us versus them mentality and they're looking now to people who don't even know God to show them this. We got to lead the way here. We've got to lead the way in love, kindness, and compassion. We've got to do a better job of it. Because the world needs to see a correct picture of God in order to put their faith in Him. You know, when I was 16 years old, that's when I really owned my faith and started reading God's word for myself and felt called to ministry. And I remember reading the word of God and remembering how much God transformed my own heart and my own life. And so I wanted everybody to understand God the way I did. So what I did is I took this Bible and I studied it. I took it to school with me. And I was telling everyone about God. All my friends at 16, I was telling them, Jesus loves you. He died for you. But I was in this conversation with this one girl one day, and there were several people around, and she disagreed with me because I was telling her that you're saved by faith, by grace through faith. And she was saying, no, you're by being a good person. That's what I was taught in my church. It's, you get to heaven by being a good person. And we got in this argument. And I pretty much told her that her and her whole family were going to hell because they didn't believe the way I believed. I mean, I got pretty harsh. I had this. See, I had passion and truth, but I lacked compassion and kindness. I had the passion. I had the boldness. I had the truth. I was going to tell people about Christ, but I lacked the compassion and the kindness and the delivery of it. And you know what? She said, I never want to talk to you again. And I disagree what you're saying because there's no way a loving God could use someone like you to talk to me. She walked away. And I'll never forget that. You see, if you're full of truth, you have the truth, but you're full of anger, malice, and rage towards people that disagree with you or don't think like you, you are not bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. You're causing discord. So the whole premise of Paul's letter to the Colossians is you have the ability to be led by the Spirit and show Jesus to the world. You have the ability to be led by God. You have the ability to bring heaven to earth. You have the ability to show people who God is and how much he loves them and cares, but you're going to do it in the way you interact with each other. 
You're going to do it by the way you interact with people. That's how you're going to show them the love. That's how you're going to show them who God is. So how do we do this? How do we live in a world that's divided? But show Christ to people. Well, the first thing I think we need to do is we need to invest time into our spiritual lives. Oftentimes, the first thing to go when you're busy is your spiritual life. You stop reading God's word, you stop praying, you stop worshiping, you stop uh, talking to people about the Lord, you stop coming to church, you stop getting involved in things that the church is doing to help you grow spiritually. And what happens when you do that is you begin to starve the spirit of God inside of you. You begin to starve. And what happens when, when that happens we tend to go this way really quickly. My wife can tell you when I've spent time with the Lord that day and when I haven't. She can tell you. Because I'm a better husband when, I, when, I'm, when I'm spending time with the Father. When you're connected to the vine, you don't have to work at this or this. When you're connected to the vine, Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you abide in me and I abide in you, you will bear fruit. What's the fruit he's talking about? Love and kindness and compassion. When you're connected to the heart of a loving God, you will be this. It's when we stop connecting to the vine we separate ourselves, that we start to go this way really fast. My wife always says, we want the fruit without the root. We want the fruit without the root. See, the root's got to go down deep. They've got to be connected to Christ. And when we are, we get the heart of God. And I'm telling you, when you start to get the heart of God towards people, your heart begins to change. You begin to see people as people again. See, sometimes we look at people as issues. Well, the far left says this. Well, that community says this. And we forget that in that community is people. That's a person made in the image of God who God loves and wants to draw to himself. But they say things that offend us so we want to go to here and we want to fight back. We want to fight anger with anger. Rage with rage. They got malicious, we want to get malicious. But that's not what Jesus did. He did it to the religious people, but he didn't do it to sinners. He didn't. He welcomed them with open arms, all of them. He showed them this, and this led them to repentance. Because when a world wants to condemn you, 
but you choose love, man, that grace is powerful. Think about that. The second way to really put this message into practice is to err on the side of love. It's to err on the side of love. If you're thinking in your mind, which way should I err? Error over here. And let me tell you why. When you are going through something and you've made a bad choice, how many people in this room have made a bad choice? Every hand's up, mind's up. What do you want? Do you want grace? Do you want kindness? Do you want compassion? Do you want mercy? What happens when you make a mistake and someone points it out to you time and time again? Husbands in this place, wives in this place. When you do something and you know you said the wrong thing and you know you did the wrong thing, what are you looking for? When we mess up, we want people to give us grace and compassion and kindness and love. That's what we long for. Please understand, we want them to say, listen, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. We want this. So we need to offer that. We need to err on that side of things. We all need grace. We all need kindness. We all need love. We all need compassion. And we're to err on the side of love. I mean, Jesus, he had a choice. If Jesus would have stoned that woman to death, he would have been justified in it according to the truth. Right? But what did he do? He erred on the side of love. Did he not care about the truth? Jesus was the epitome of truth. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He is the living word of God. And that's what he wants us to be, the living words of God. And we do that when we're here. And please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that the truth of God's word isn't super important. And I'm telling you, there are times you stand hard on the truth without wavering. But our approach to people has got to be that. It's got to be that. You know, this past week, my father was in the hospital on Wednesday and he had a procedure done, heart procedure. And so we were there for quite a while on Wednesday. And then on Thursday, my mom and I, we went back to the hospital and we were there for a while. Well, we left about seven o'clock that night and I was exhausted. I could tell my mom was exhausted. And we get in my car and i driving down the parking structure at Royal Oak Beaumont Hospital, I'm driving down this parking structure, and I turn left, and when I turn left, I hear a thump. 
and my car completely stops. So that's weird. I try to I stop my car, try to start it again. I try to get it to go. It won't go anywhere. And I'm like in the middle of the, the aisle way there where no cars can get by me right now. And I get out of my car and I realize the ball joint came off of my tire and that car wasn't going anywhere. It was just sitting there. You know what I needed in that moment? After that kind of day? Did I need this? But this is what I got. People honking, screaming, get out of the road, what are you doing? I mean, P cars were backing up. What a mess. I probably would have been one of those people on a different day <laughs> at times, if I'm honest. I needed this. It's been a hard week, emotional. I needed this. And this one nurse, he came out. He said, hey, can I help you move your car? I said, I don't think it's going anywhere. Like, look at it. That ball joint's out. You can't move it. He said, okay. So he gets on the phone. He calls for security. And security comes to kind of direct traffic because it was really backing up. And so when security came, there was two security guards. And one did not want to be there. And it was obvious. He showed me this. But the other one was amazing. He showed me this. He stopped. His name was Daryl. He said, oh, I'm so sorry this happened to you, man. We're going to, don't worry. We'll, we'll get you all fixed up. This happens all the time in here. We, we'll call a tow truck. We, we'll figure it out. He, go ahead and get in your car. We, we, we were able to maneuver the car a little bit so cars could pass on one side. He stayed there with me for two hours. Chris, I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm going to be right here making sure no one gets upset, making sure everyone knows what to do. Here's a number to a tow truck company. We use them all the time. Go ahead and call them. Stayed there. Guy was a Christian. Started talking to me about the Lord for two hours. I'm like, I kind of got to check on the tow truck. But he ministered to me for two hours. Stood right there, me and my mom. And I felt bad for my mom. She's exhausted. I didn't want to tell my dad because he would have come down in his hospital gown. <laughs> tried to fix the situation. So then the tow truck comes, and he can't get into the structure. So this security guard, me and the tow truck driver, we jack up the front of the car with a tire jack, and we literally pull the car out of the parking structure together, and we get it on the tow truck. Just a great guy. He showed me this. I needed it. And then, I didn't know where to take this car. My mechanic, he's got a house. He does it all out of his house. It's 10 o'clock at night now. So I'm like, well, I'm going to take it to his house. But I'm like, I can't really call him. I can't really text him. It's late. And even if he tells me, no, what am I going to do with this car? So I just said, we're going to his house. 
So we drive this car. I'm in the tow truck with this guy. We're driving through a subdivision. This big tow truck, lights going. I mean, it was loud. We pull up to this guy's house, my mechanic's house. We're sitting there. And I can see him in his living room watching TV. He's got his front door open because it was a nice night. Screen doors open. And he looks out the window. And so I real quickly text him, hey, I'm going to um, drop my car off at your house. So he comes out, and I got to be honest, at 10 o'clock at night, I was expecting this. What are you doing here? You can't just do this in the, at night. He comes out. First thing he says to me is, rough night? <laughs> I said, yeah, hey, Tom, I'm so sorry to do this to you. I didn't know where else to go. This is what happened. He goes, you did the right thing. Let me help you. He comes out for a half hour, works with the tow truck guy to get this car from 10 to 10.30 at night, get the car off of the street, put it where it needed to be. And he says, Chris, don't worry. I'll take care of everything. I'll get your car back to you soon. I got you. No problem. I needed that. Do you know what happens to people when you give them this, when they expect this? Do you know what a game changer it is in their lives? Do you know what kind of picture of God they get to see when a Christian actually gives them the love of Christ instead of a harsh, judgmental demeanor? Do you know what it does to people? It opens the door for the gospel, the good news. It's good news, remember? The good news that Jesus so loved, that God so loved the world that he gave his son. He didn't send his son to condemn the world, but to save the world. It's good news. It's love. It's grace. It's kindness. It's compassion. And that's what God is telling us we can be to people. That's what we can be to this world. So I'm going to challenge everybody in here. I know this can be a tough word. I'm speaking to myself here today. It's way easier to go here than there. Way easier. People say some things on social media that I just, against my God, against my faith, against me as a person, against what I preach or say, and I want to go here so bad sometimes. but I know I'm called to go here. We need to help each other with this church. We need to start calling this out a little bit more. And we're having conversations with one another. And it starts to go this way towards the world. We need to point the conversation back this way. See, we have a God that loves us. And the Bible says that it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And I want to see people repent. I want to see people transformed by the love and grace and mercy of God. That's what I long to do and to see. And I know that's what you long to do and to see. So let's model the very thing that Jesus modeled to us. 
Let's give people the very thing that Jesus gave to all of us. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Lord, I know this can be tough sometimes, God. We start talking about the acts of the sinful nature versus the spirit. I know, Lord, we can be pulled towards the world so easily, God. Every one of us have that nature inside of us. But God, I pray today that you would help me, God. That you would help the people in this room show people a picture of who you are to this world. I pray that we take the words of Paul to the Colossian church to heart. And we try to walk in the spirit, to be raised and empowered by Christ, to put to death the deeds of the sinful nature and to walk in the spirit of God and to show this world love and kindness and mercy and compassion. Lord, let that be our first response. Lord, help us to not be emotionally driven, but spirit-led, God, I pray in Jesus' mighty name.